Fed can just print more money out of thin air, but the government's always going to be in debt to the Fed. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm keeping this intro very, very brief. Had a fun, long conversation with Sam Honnold. You know him from my podcast as Pastor Sam. We talked very recently, very, very knowledgeable dude. Uh, sees the world from the eyes of a pretty devout Christian. And a very nice, very nice guy. Um, extremely fun to talk with. And I encourage you to go and check out his website, Gospel Gunslingers. Um, really, really cool information. He's about like cryptids in the Bible. He makes learning about the Bible fun. Um, you know, I'm not the most religious person out there. I consider myself agnostic. But um, if I was going to learn about the word of the Lord, it would be through uh, Mr. Sam Honnold here. Fun guy to talk with again. You're going to hear all about his view. He's going to actually appear in my final mind control installment. Because as you may be able to tell, if you're a Patreon subscriber, you will uh, kind of understand that he does know a decent amount about mind control. We talk about that a little bit here, and then we will get into it uh, in this seventh installment of the mind control series. Uh, so as promised, guys, short intro. Uh, patreon.com slash dangerous world you know i love you guys the most um dangerousworldstore.com is where you can go and support the show through buying merchandise t-shirts for 17 dollars and 76 cents and of course manscape.com your promo code over there is danger for 20 percent off and free shipping in the united states and i think they do free shipping in the quite a few other countries as well um, I need to read up on that ad because I am about to do my first full length read with them very soon. So, guys, stay tuned. Lots of fun things developing over here at Dangerous World Podcast. And uh, I mean, just enjoy this episode with Mr. Sam Honnold. Fun guy. Gospel Gunslingers is his website. Um, fun dude living in Mexico, running away from the crazy government here in the U.S., man. So enjoy the episode and you'll be hearing from me in just a couple of days. Ladies and gentlemen, I have here with me Mr. Sam Honnold, a.k.a. Pastor Sam. You heard him fairly recently here on the show and uh, just heard a really interesting episode with you and uh, Mr. Dave Hodges, a fellow Arizonan. Uh, I don't know if interesting or scary is the, the correct word, but um, you have some pretty serious uh, predictions about World War Three, um, and you, you, in your opinion, it seems that it's right, uh, right around the corner, man. So, uh, first of all, Sam, how are you doing? I'm all right. Praise the Lord. I'm in Mexico. This is my command center, so I'm in my environment, uh, surrounded by good food and yeah, people that I, I'm in a good groove with. So, I'm in exile. I'm a refugee, but considering all that, it's good to be a free man. And I'm in the capital of the free world in Mexico City. You know, man, I I 
heard you say that, and you actually kind of mentioned it briefly uh, last time you and I spoke. Um, do you want to elaborate on that a little bit, man? Because like an American refugee going to Mexico, it seems like a strange concept for most of us here. Um, we talked about it briefly a second ago. And when you're talking about journalism being under uh, under the, the knife, um, it does seem to make sense. But I mean, uh, explain that for the the listeners here, man. Like why in the world would you leave the United States and then head over to Mexico? Okay, uh, lots of reasons. This is something that I could talk for hours and hours about. And if someone wants to research, there's a lot of information on my Twitter account. Just search Gospel Gunslingers, or if you can spell my name, uh, Samuel Honold or Honold Samuel, I believe is the way it's uh, on Google and Twitter. But if you go down to June 30th, you can see my entire claim that I made to the president of Mexico in Spanish. And there are a lot of reasons. Uh, I'm a conservative journalist and journalism is under attack. Anybody who's not with a big corporation that's Soros controlled, globalist controlled and toes the party line, then they first get blackballed. And then the other things begin, the deplatforming, the isolation, the credit card canceling, the uh, bank accounts getting deleted the IRS persecution, the cesium poisoning. It just goes on and on and on. The lawfare, civil trials, one after another after another, or repeated shakedowns. And, you know, you get shut down enough times by and gone through with a fine-tooth comb by law enforcement. They're going to find a hangnail. You're going to cross a, an invisible jurisdictional line, and there's a charge. Boom. And we all know the speedy and public trial is gone in America. So these different jurisdictions, which are part of the strength of America and the different levels of government, which are part of our separation of powers that makes our nation great, that's being used against us. Oh, you have to go to this place. You have to appear in court. You're ordered. Oh, now you've got a failure to appear. And it just, it snowballs. And so... After that happening time and time and time again, and we report, we don't care if somebody's rich and powerful, if, if, they're, if they're raping kids, if they're involved in illicit activities, if they're taking money from the Chinese, if they're committing treason to America, somebody's got to stand up and report that. And it's a lot of small guys like you and me and other podcasters and vloggers and, and independent journalists, some people working out of campers that are getting the reality out of what's happening in the school board, what's happening in the drag queen story hour, what's happening in the city council in San Antonio, Texas, when they're trying to remove the Alamo again and again. Mm -hmm. And so after being to those places and reporting on just jillions of those things, pretty soon we get up high on the list of troublemakers that need to be dealt with by all of these gray war tactics. I've been attacked by anarchists so many times on tape. This is one of the things that I turned into the Mexican government. Okay, here's me. This is the URL. This is the date. This is the location. This is the guy bleeding that's right next to me. So wow. it's a it, it's a reality. It's just it's it's not safe anymore. And I, I wish more conservative journalists would see what time it is. Uh, I'm a black belt. I have this ability to see a situation as it's developing 
And although I can punch and kick and get out of trouble, I get out of trouble a lot more watching situations develop. And it's just amazing how, how few people can observe danger when the thunderclouds are on the horizon, they're moving in. And so many people will just stand there and say, wow, that's neat. Yeah. You know, I think it's interesting, too, because uh, for me, for example, you know, I I'm in Arizona. It's a fairly conservative state. I know that the mainstream media will have you believing that it turned blue this year. I firmly do not believe that that's the case. But, you know, I feel comfortable where I'm at. Uh, but it is interesting that you bring up the idea and really a fact that conservative journalists or patriotic journalists, I mean, patriot is the new. Uh, I mean, terrorist in, in, you know, Millie's words and in Austin's words. Um, and so, I mean, specifically, they were going after you and trying to indict you. Is that what you're saying? Oh, I went to uh, Richmond, Virginia and Washington, D.C. a year and a half ago, uh, 20 months ago to go to the Second Amendment rally. Got arrested twice. And I didn't even exercise my Second Amendment. And mm. I, I'm the gospel gunslinger. My site is gospelgunslingers.com. But I knew that I was going east into those occupied territories and going to cross all these jurisdictional lines. And out of abundance of precaution, I made sure that there were no weapons and ammunition. It was even hunting season, Ryan. <laughs> I, re I really wanted to get my get my January musket hunt in, but I did not even have a musket. So I got arrested twice. And part of what my claim says is there's this guy named Enrique Tario. And our, Enrique Tario, if you read the mainstream news, they say yeah. that he's a racist and a white supremacist. But the fact is he's a person of color. Yeah. Of, he's, isn't he from Cuba? Of Afro-Cuban ancestry. Yeah. <laughs> And he's Spanish speaking. Yeah. And so in my claim uh, to the Mexican president, I said, this is a persecuted person. And I've interviewed Enrique at least half a dozen times in English and Spanish. We did interviews for Spanish speaking conservative news in the United States. Mm. Nevertheless, he, he comes out in the news as to understand the right we need to think in terms of multiracial whiteness that's actually the headline ryan you believe wow. that and they got the picture of this black dude and an afro-cuban the fact is there's afro-mexicans there's afro-cubans there's a lot of african extraction people in guyana in haiti in venezuela etc cetera, etc cetera. there's african blood all through the americas to different degrees sure. but to take a guy like that and to and to call him a, a white supremacist is just uh it's just mocking our our uh, logic it, it it defies logic it just they want to call us the crazy ones yeah, it's psychopathic type uh, messaging. You know, I mean, what do they think this guy's doing blackface or something? I mean, it blows my mind that the, that they're actually going to tell you that this, uh, you know, as you say, Afro-Cuban. Um, I don't know a whole lot about uh, Enrique. Was it Enrique Tatario? Tatario. 
and so yeah, he is uh, affiliated with the Proud Boys, um, one of the, if not the leader, one of the high ups, um, from what I remember. And um, I mean, it's just it blows my mind that the the left side of the political, I don't know what you want to call it, just the, the whole right and left paradigm is insane to me. And that left side acts like they're all about anyone that's not white, unless that colored person or that person of color is uh, a Republican. You know what I mean? And I had this conversation with one of my friends who, you know, he thought that what was more important to the left and to the globalist agenda was what your color was. Um, But I was arguing and I was saying, no, I think it's it's more about what your morals are, what side you fall when it comes to that right versus left thing. And um, they would much rather put a white person that leans to the socialist side of things in power than they would a black individual that is more conservative. I mean, look what's going on in California right now that you'd think that the Democrats would love someone like Larry Elder, but he's conservative. So that's a no, no for them. Um, It's just an agenda, man. And I find it, I find it pretty disgusting, really. Um, I mean, what happened to just like, you know, loving everybody and everyone's equal and stuff, but that's neither here nor there, I guess. Um, And we're, we're about to see some pretty interesting stuff on the horizon here. So, um, you sent me a very interesting email. I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday. Talking... Let me make one more point on, sure, sure. on uh, the arrests. And then, then let's go to that because yeah, yeah. we have war within and without right now. And a lot of people are seeing so much of what's within. And ev- even the focus on Afghanistan, which Afghanistan was a cluster since 20 years before we went in the war. Are you still there? A, a window popped up there for me there, Ryan. Yes, sir. I'm here. Okay. Uh, as far as the war within, Enrique Tario has been convicted. He uh, pled guilty for of destroying a flag, which it was a Black Lives Matter. It was a rainbow flag on one of these communist churches. It was a mostly black church. So, of course, the race cards being played. But he pled guilty to that. And he's got to do five months in federal prison or no i think it's dc i think he's got to go to the dc lockup so those that charges in dc here's what's interesting and this is all in my various documents one of the things they ask you as a refugee is if you have attempted to get justice from your own nation if you've reported things that have where you've been wronged and where those reports were made so enrique tario was sentenced to five months for burning this flag Although since the 1960s, the American flag, the flag of our nation, the flag that our forefathers fought and died for, and a lot of people have someone who died in recent memory or was injured fighting for our nation, that can be stomped on in the street, burned or whatever. And here we've got a 50 plus year history that that's protected free speech under the First Amendment. So Enrique does exactly the same thing that's been declared again and again, protected free speech, and it's labeled a hate crime. So this is the two phase, you know, the two tiered justice system. Sure. The, the, the anarchists get released and the guy who just defends himself and counterpunches one of them, like our friend Rufio Panman, who uh, hangs out with Enrique Tario. Ever since he knocked that anarchist out that had that collapsible baton and that footage went viral. They've been looking to get him. And finally, for standing on the steps or something on January the 6th, 
he's got federal charges. That's why you never hear from him. Because the moment they go in the courtroom, it's hush orders. Okay, your First Amendment does not exist anymore. And a lot of times your Second Amendment doesn't exist. They come after people's guns. Sure. Okay, you're, you're uh, under investigation for this and that. So then that activates red flag laws. But in my own home state of Iowa, in the city of Ames, now this is where Iowa State University and Cyclones are, a guy took down a flag. It was either a rainbow flag or one of these anarchist groups, a BLM flag. I think it was a rainbow and destroyed it. And he was sentenced to 15 years in prison for for taking down a flag and burning it. That is incredible. Yeah. I understand the concept of destroying someone's private property, but that should be a misdemeanor, if nothing else. Yes. Yes, the value of the item. But the other thing is, there are certain... There is decorum pertaining to the American flag. And I remember this. And this is just where the frog has been brought way beyond the boiling point over the years. I've sat with a veteran where where they see another flag flown at the same height as the American flag. And a veteran will get ticked off about that. Mm -hmm. You know, there's people in the in our nation that come from all over the world. And that's great. But they don't get to fly their flag as high as the American flag. Of course not. Even the POW flag doesn't go as high as the American flag. You know what I mean? The only exception is the Texas flag. And that arrangement was made as a stipulation when Texas joined the Union. And Texas was its own sovereign nation when it joined the Union in 1845. And so as a sovereign nation that then came and joined the Union, they kind of made their own deal. But outside of that, no flag is supposed to be on equal height. And I remember 10 years, 20 years, 30 years ago, a veteran seeing that and saying to himself, that shouldn't be happening in America. I could just go over there and do something about it. (laughs) Yeah, they might because they fought for that flag. And we have a longstanding, not only uh, rules of decorum, but laws about the desecration of the flag. And. You know, I was doing uh, one of these cleanups in Houston where uh, who's our friend with the long hair that goes around and cleans up towns. He came to Houston. I went out and helped him. And we the found a flag. The, the football player? No, no, no. I'll, I'll think of his name. Okay. Uh, and a, a young guy, a, a young guy who's a gay Republican, actually. I'll think of his name. But okay. he cleans up, goes and cleans up cities and organizes the city. And he's got over a million followers on social media and stuff. We're not talking about uh, Milo Yiannopoulos, right? No, 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 no. Okay, because I wouldn't see him cleaning a damn thing up. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> no, he's too into looking cool. Yeah. Um, you know, no, I, I mean, guess. yeah, you make a lot of good points there, dude. And, you know, speaking of Texas, man, before we move into this, since you brought that up, uh, this whole abortion thing, it seems like a great step in the correct direction. You know, I... I'm not the most religious person, but um, it does sure seem like the United States is falling under judgment right now. And I I was just talking about this with my friend yesterday, and I thought it would be a really cool, interesting sort of experiment to see if things turn around with this whole uh, heartbeat law that they that they just came out with. But the more I was it it sure is, Sam. But, you know, I was thinking about it. Why is this happening right now? 
It's because of Afghanistan. It's to get the the distraction over to this abortion thing to get the Democrats and the Republicans fighting. So the Republicans feel like they have a win here, the conservatives, I should say. And the the liberals and the more, you know, Marxist types, they think that this is the worst thing because they are satanic, in my opinion. Um, it's true. They, But I think that this is setting a precedent to make it so that abortion cannot be illegal in any state because there is no federal law for that right now. Um, so I think that this looks good. But I think that this is going to end very badly because this is nothing more than a distraction, in my opinion. Okay, let me just hit a couple points on that. I was talking to Coach Dave about that this morning. I don't know if you know Coach Dave, who fought the ACLU over Pran with his football team, and he's got an outfit called Pass the Salt. And he's really having a lot of fun going around and, and stirring up some nationalism and our Christian roots as well. So he's a friend of mine. And what he said is since the Supreme court did not intervene in that case, they did not hear the challenge to that case. What this means is that abortion issues can be legislated on a state by state basis. Mm -hmm. And in the past that has been taken from the States and now it is not being taken from the States. And so uh, we as conservatives have gained a little bit of ground there. So he may have a point. It was an interesting commentary for sure. Yeah. My governor, Kim Reynolds of Iowa, is actually the first one who signed the first heartbeat law probably two and a half years ago. And I actually reached out to Kim Reynolds because I'm, I'm moving in a direction about these flags. The state of Iowa took my I got a letter from the Department of Transportation, which is this huge, overgrown, cancerous blob of a juggernaut. They use the eminent domain. They can build a road right across anybody's house and just crush it and take it from them, throw them out. And they get used to just having that power, that they can draw the line where they want, and it's just a matter of money, and we'll fight in court about how much, and that's that. Well, they decided they were going to take my ID so they said, we're taking your ID, turn it in immediately. You cannot drive or operate a vehicle, and you cannot register a vehicle in the state of Iowa. So here I am, depersoned. Mm. And I thought, okay, great. Well, the next thing they're going to come for is uh, my, my, any firearms, and they're going to come for my uh, passport. And so that was the first time that I actually hit out in Mexico from actual U.S. authorities that were actually gunning for me. And then I, I, I snuck back into to, uh, Texas and I mailed all my letters to the governor, Kim Reynolds, and to my senator, Joni Ernst, who got all the uh, trafficked U.S. Olympian athletes, their money, got their case solved. And USA Gymnastics dismantled. So we've got some good conservative people in my state. But because I exposed election fraud and because I went into the Iowa caucuses with no ID and voted in the Iowa caucuses and, and, and posted it, all of a sudden they were getting gunning for me. I was high up on the list. And everybody needs to know. I mean, I know, I know, I know Americans think about their rights and that it can't be taken from them. There is something in your state, all 50 states, called the Fusion Center. 
And this is what is being lionized and glorified in all these cop shows, all the cops with their big screens and their drones and their cameras everywhere and their shot spotters and all their forensics and ballistics. It is, it is to lionize this thing called the fusion center. And they're, they're very un-American. And what this fusion center does is tells law enforcement what to do and who to go get. And they had me at the top of their list for exposing election fraud. Heck, the whole thing could get dismantled if we dismantled election fraud. This is where yeah. America's at. We could, we, could, we could throw the commies out of all our universities if we could deal with election fraud. And so I brought up this flag in Ames and said, hey, my parents fell in love around Lake Laverne. And then my grandparents before them in the city of Ames around Iowa State University side the cyclone and now now i'm being told that i'm not american enough and i'm not iowan enough and that i can't even drive wow so from outside the country i fought that and then the dot backed off so i actually bumped into the governor tim reynolds at a trump rally and if you're interested just go down my twitter feed a couple of years and you'll see the picture she took probably 20 selfies and I ran over and took a selfie and I said, hey, governor, let me get a selfie. And just when I was aiming the camera, I said, I wanted to thank you because the DOT gave me my driver's license back. And she, her eyeballs got as big as silver dollars and she <laughs> backed away and looked at me instead of looking at the camera. She's very photogenic, by the way. It was very strange for her to do that, to, to look at me astonished. And, and so I got pics of this. And she was like, you're the guy, you're the guy that hit out in Mexico and sent me all these letters on my desk and told me to call the DOT and crack the whip. And I did. And now you got it. They, wow. <laughs> and you're here supporting our president. And I was like, yeah. So see, I've gone through all those stages. That's incredible, but man. It got to a point where it was not, it was, it was not softball anymore. It was hardball. And these fusion centers, you know, they can put little notes in your file where they really want line law enforcement to do their dirty work for them. You know, they want the Andy Mayberries to get a, a note when they just do a traffic stop that, okay, this is a dangerous criminal. This is a fugitive from justice. This per person is known to be armed and dangerous because. Because we told them that we're gospel gunslingers, because we went in and let the sheriff fingerprint us, because we let them run our record and find out that we've never done any kind of crime ever to get our little card. So they know we're good guys. But at the same time, this is where the fusion center comes in and says, this is a bad guy. And they really, they really want to get Americans against Americans where we just kill one another. So that's part of how I became a refugee, although I'm a career Latin American missionary, Spanish speaking since the nineties, I've traveled back and forth to Mexico and Mexico is a place that I really love the culture of it. They're warriors, man. They're gunslingers. Yeah. They're big otones. They, they are, uh, that's mustachioed revolutionaries. And it's, it's this huge nation, really 170 million people. Yeah. And so I've also been to Central America and South America and preached in those places. I just came across an article about the, re, the uh, Paraná River 
in Argentina is about to dry up and they're having trouble getting their grain floated down on barges and the commercial fishermen that fish that river are having trouble. And so I told Dave yesterday, I said, I've actually preached on the Paraná and it's a huge river. And this is coming from a kid that grew up on the Mississippi. The Paraná is one of the great rivers of the world. The Spanish called it the Rio de la Plata, the, the silver river because they would sail up but looking for silver and trying to find silver mines. And it is just this magnificent river. It's terrible that it is uh, drying up and it goes right down and forms the, the border between Argentina and Uruguay for a good distance. So I've been down there and I've, I've done all that, but um, Mexico is the heart of Hispanic America. This city of Mexico City was the capital of New Spain. It's long been considered, and it's hard for an American to understand, but it's, and in this city, there's probably 120 consulates and other semi-consular representations. So China's here, Japan's here, every nation in Europe is here. They all have ambassadors in this city. There's more spies and protectors details and armored vehicles in this city you know uh, undercover armored vehicles than i've ever seen anywhere so this is where i'm at those are some of the reasons why i've made my stand here finally it's been my adopted nation for many years it's a nation that i love we share so much history of standing up against tyranny and it's a nation that's moving forward right now the president even though he comes from the left A lot of Americans don't know because there was a news blackout. The one time that President Lopez Obrador left Mexico, he went to see Donald Trump. And they've been very critical of one another. But they buried the hatchet. They became fast friends. They found they had a lot in common. You know, Trump handed over a fugitive governor, ex-governor from Mexico, that had stole millions of pesos from the government and from the the people of his country. of his state. And then he decided that he'd go live in the United States and hide out and, and uh, escape justice. Well, Trump had him arrested the very day that Lopez Obrador passed into the United States and just handed him over on a silver platter. And so they found out that they don't like crooks in the government, in the country. They don't like drug gangs and drug gangs very often have political connections. So you got to root out who lets them operate. And they found out that even though Trump kind of comes from the right, he's definitely not a, a historic rhino Republican. And Lopez Obrador comes from the left, but he's definitely not Hugo Chavez. So they they found this common ground. And it was very beautiful when they met together in Washington. And then the American news decided that they just not even cover that. So that's yeah. another thing that happened. That would We're disrupt. Always- that would disrupt the agenda of Trump hating Mexicans, right? I mean, this was the exactly. idea that they were trying to push through. Um, I do have to ask you a question, though, because in my opinion, um, Trump comes from the left, right? I mean, he was a Democrat his whole life until he decided to run for president. I know he was very against Obama. Um, I've been much more critical of Trump. And to be clear, um, you know, he's the first president that I ever voted for. I, uh, you know, I could have voted for Obama um, or McCain or Romney, Um, you know, I graduated in 2009. So those were the first presidents I could have voted for. And I could have voted for Trump uh, against Hillary as well. Didn't vote any of those times because I 
have always been uh, under that sort of conspiratorial mindset that leaders are selected, not elected, right? Um, when Trump got elected in 2016, that changed my mind. And so I went out, I was like MAGA to the bone, you know, I was like, oh yeah, Trump is going to save this country. Uh, he's going to make, you know, a, a voice. He's going to create a voice for the people that really aren't heard, like myself, uh, like like a lot of people, you know. Um, but I'm starting to question if Trump was just part of the system this whole time. So I'm curious as to what you think, because he was affiliated with the Permindex uh, group that, you know, resorts international that uh, Taj Mahal was allegedly this money laundering thing. Um, supposedly Bill Clinton sort of put uh, Trump up to run in 2016 so that Hillary Clinton would not win. And then they were going to like kind of work with their thing. So I don't know what you think about that. I know it may sound a little bit conspiratorial to you, but do you really think that Trump is a good guy or uh, what do you like? Where do you stand on Trump? That is the perfect way into Trump's international policy and his war footing, which is what my article was about and where I bring to a lot of astonishing conclusions, uh, conclusions astonishing enough that maybe the conspiracies are even deeper than uh, what we give credit for. And I just want to say that I sat a few rounds out too. My, mm. my Scott County auditor called me one time and said, hey, uh, are you still there? Because you haven't voted in, I think it was four elections, four or six years, I didn't vote at all. Not for the dog catcher, right? So, yeah. they, and, and I said, yeah, yeah, I'm here, I'm here, and I might vote. So you keep my stuff active. It was nice that they were cleaning the rolls. But I did sit a, sit a few rounds out. Uh, I see Trump. My biggest criticism of Trump is that he surrounded, he had, he had bad counselors always, and he tried to get the best ones, but he, he selected the wrong preachers just for starters to be right there next to him. You know, he selected the people that were at the top of their game and have uh, accomplished the most and written the most books and sold the most copies and have the most money and had the most people following them. And uh, biblically, you know, the Bible says, woe to you when all men speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. So Trump had some mm. bad advice, but I think that he was the right man for the job. And I think that he went in uh, intending to do what's best for our nation and for our historic values, not the modern values of uh what's novo and, and cool that has destroyed every nation that's adopted it. But he really tried to do what was best for these United States. And in doing that, this is really the mind blow. The mind blow is Trump knew we had to fight China militarily. And without that happening, fighting them and at least beating them back to their own continent. If we cannot do that, we'll mend the domestic uh, struggle. You know, we'll never get our elected officials never get rid of the globalist propaganda money. We'll never root it all out if we don't fight the menace in, in 
in its stronghold, which is China, China, China. So Trump warfare was very successful, but he also held over their head thermonuclear holocaust. We will blow you into a moonscape with intercontinental nuclear missiles and space weapons and sub-launch ballistic heavy megaton nukes. Mm. And that we could have done. But the problem is that that can envelop the world very easily. If that happens, okay, what if they launch? What if only 10 missiles get to America and every missile has 10 warheads? You know, you're dealing with a horrific nuclear exchange that will affect the West. What if the Russians get involved? What if one Chinese SSBN nuclear missile, ballistic missile submarine gets through and launches? Does that, this is the mutually assured destruction. But Trump used that negotiating to his advantage. Hey, if you guys start trouble, we will bury you. Here's, here's the problem. We couldn't beat them in a conventional war or a tactical nuclear war. And a lot of people don't really understand that there's tactical nuclear weapons. You know, uh, the Tomahawk missiles, which are back in the fleet right now, nuclear Tomahawks, they've all been removed. Mm. So we've used this weapon for something it really was not designed for. It's designed to be a strategic tactical nuclear weapon, dial a yield. You can dial them all the way down to like 10 kiloton and you can dial them up to 150. Well, that'll incinerate a city or a military base with some hardened structures. You know, uh, an air base with with concrete aircraft revetments is not going to survive a 150 kiloton tactical strike. We've got nuclear artillery shells and I'm talking going all the way back to the 1950s. In fact, when we tangled with Korea, excuse me, when we tangled over Taiwan with some of the islands that Taiwan possesses that are very close to the Chinese coast, and there were dueling artillery barrages, they accused us of using nuclear artillery shells. It was just a really heavy, heavy artillery gun that we used. But we do have nuclear artillery shells. So there's a broad spectrum, but it had all fallen into disrepair. Many of them had been decommissioned, just like uh, Nikita Khrushchev said in, what, the 1960s? He said, with three weapons, we will destroy the West. Disarmament, detente, disarmament, and decolonization. Mm. And this is disarmament. So these treaties have been arranged to chip away at our nuclear superiority, and it had gotten to a very, very frightening place where we had decommissioned weapons like the nuclear Tomahawk missile. Very so, interesting. So to be clear, the, the, the three weapons that, that Khrushchev spoke about were disarmament, decolonization, and what else? Detente. Detente. Okay. You ever have a guy that just, that, that just gets closer to you to see if he can get you to swing? <laughs> and then he'll come a little closer they just inch up they inch up and china has demonstrated this marvelously yeah they've they just, they've mastered that yeah yeah they've pushed the issue little by little and and now they've finally made a real line in the sand 
September the 1st, the law went into effect. They're pretty much, well, two thirds of the South China Sea, what they claim on their map called the nine dash line. They said, we want every vessel to register that is either submersible, has radioactive payload, is nuclear propulsion, or could be a danger to Chinese shipping and the mainland. So those are four clear descriptives that apply to U.S. warships. And they're supposed to sound off. They're supposed to report their position every two hours. And get this, they're supposed to pull over and let a damn Chinaman get in and take the helm on our top secret warships. Now, that is not going to go. Part of the game is we take our nuclear missile subs and go park them off their coast and they hide so they can't start trouble. And if they do start trouble, start incinerating bases and ports. And these are missiles. These are heavy megaton, you know, nuclear annihilation weapons. So the last thing that a nuclear missile submarine is going to do is surface. Uh, call President Z and be like, yeah, we're down here at 71st and Lewis. No. And, and, and let a Chinaman climb up the ladder with his huge, ridiculous communist officer hat and climb down and take the helm? Hell no. Yeah. Never. Wow. But this is, this is their law. And it's illegal because a lot of this is international waters. Now, if a warship gets closer than 12 miles to the main, the coast of the mainland, then they, that nation has some rights to defend their boundary waters. Sure. But outside of that 12 miles, it's high seas. Yeah. It's free game. Yeah. Heck you and me could go out there and row around and, you know, get on the sloop John B and hoist up the mainsail and cruise around. (laughs) Right. Right. That's incredible to think about, though, in that way. Yeah. And so this new law is their line in the sand. Okay, no care of battle group around. (laughs) Well, okay. so here's the crazy thing. We got basically five carrier battle groups right up against that line. Just. Waiting to make steam and cross across it and call their bluff. Six, if you include the Abraham Lincoln, which is, uh, as of a couple days ago, was further west in the Arabian Sea. They can get around pretty quick, though, those nuclear supercarriers, because, you know, uh, as the speed increases, fuel consumption increases, which is why maritime traffic is 12 knots. But but a supercarrier like that, nobody even knows how fast they can actually go. They have outrun their escorts before in emergencies, which means that nuclear supercarrier, the only one that can keep up with it is the nuclear subs underwater. But all the other ships, because we don't have nuclear guided missile cruisers anymore. In the 90s, we did. But all those other ships, uh, they'll run out of fuel. But If you were to guess, how fast could they move? 50 knots. And for someone like myself that does not know how fast that is in like miles per hour, what would that be? A nautical mile is a little more than a mile an hour. So that's probably 55 miles an hour. But underwater what that means, 
Yeah. What, yeah. Yeah. So I actually tweeted on this when all three of our Seawolf class submarines weighed anchor and steamed out of Bramerton, Washington, their home port. So there's only three ships in that class and all three of them to deploy simultaneously is a big deal. That raises all eyebrows. It, it, so much so that almost nobody reported on it because it means that there's either a threat of war that they need to be positioned to defend against or they're going to be in attack formation. It's called a military surge. You know, if you, if, if uh, a guy's got an ammunition plant or a sewing plant making uniforms and at five o'clock, everybody goes home, right? They turn the lights off. They shut all the machines down and power down the air compressors. Everybody goes home and watches TV and football and drinks beer. Great. But what happens in wartime? In wartime, they surge. And so they're making uniforms 24 hours a day. So you either go to two 12-hour shifts or three eights or everybody working overtime. You bring in more people. The people work longer hours. They don't don't, uh, watch football at night. This is this is what our forefathers did to beat the Japanese and the Germans. And this is what happens when all three subs of the class steam out of port. Normally they got one on patrol, one training and one in maintenance. You know, so when you're talking about war like this, a lot of people may think that this is like hyperbolic speech. Have you heard that GM is shutting down most of its North American plants as well? I have heard that the computer ship chip shortage has caused the uh, lot inventories to be low and that many production lines are shut down because of that. So GM is actually GM. I'm looking at the article right now from CNN business. I mean, you know, I don't trust CNN very much, but they're usually pretty accurate when it comes to things that are like verifiable, like GM shutting down production. Um, But yeah, I mean, the title here and and CNN business GM shutting down production at most of its uh, plants in North America. And the last time that that happened, if I'm not mistaken, was before World War Two or during World War Two, because they need those resources. What's that? Because they were making tanks. And that's what's that's what's terrifying here, because what what you're saying, it makes sense. But. If you, you know, in this community, that stuff makes very much sense. But then if you're going to get someone like a, you know, like some yuppie type person that that is like all these crazy tinfoil hat wearing dudes are just trying to entice fear. Right. But there's all these pieces that are falling into place. And started. Go ahead. Oh, no, no. I was just going to say, like, you know, all these pieces are falling into place. And it just is when you start talking about the things that your research, you've been researching this stuff for most of your life, from what I heard from Dave Hodges, as far as like military developments, uh, techniques, um, you're very, very passionate about the Second Amendment. So you, from what I understand, you have spent a serious amount of time, um, you know, not only as an adult, but as a child as well, looking into these sorts of developments. So a lot of the stuff that you have come across and that you've researched isn't common knowledge. And for the record, for some reason, this GM closing down plants is not very common knowledge either. But if someone knew about all of these things and then they like just knew a tiny bit about history, this is not boding well for not only the United States, but the world, man. I mean, there is something seriously going on here. 
And um, I don't stand to make any money off of a world war. So I'm not trying to, you know, get people excited about this. You know, some people sell storable food um, or, or have a partnership with like, you know, metal companies. And I'm not knocking anyone for doing that. But for for myself to be very concerned about a possible developing World War Three or what some people may call World War Four, because uh, supposedly the Cold War, a lot of people considered the Third World War. Um, which just ended, by the way, with Afghanistan. Uh, if you if you're considering the Cold War, World War Three, uh, I mean, it, it just ended with with uh, this I pipeline being. That What's that? I guess we lost that one. Yeah, and that and I mean, a lot of people thought that Reagan was a great president, but when you think about it like that, Reagan actually kind of let us down by thinking, like by by kind of telling us that, you know we we won you know the berlin wall's coming down communism's dead communism is not dead just like the third reich just turned into the fourth reich in my opinion let me um, respond to a couple of those things absolutely reagan had drivers behind the scenes sure while reagan was really trying to do what was best for america he was very old at the time he was never the same after his assassination attempt 100 days i think into his presidency and and he uh, was surrounded by rhinos that had him pretty much convinced, you know, there wasn't a lot of turnover in his cabinet like there was in, in Trump's cabinet. I, I wanted to go back also to uh, well, and Sam, real studies. quick, Sam, real quick, the, the freaking guy that tried to shoot Reagan was a family friend of the Bush family. Hinkley. Exactly, exactly. So, I mean, he was a CIA operator, too. I mean, there was some there's some dark stuff going on behind the scenes with this stuff. And but the I'm, Bushes I'm sorry. have a lot of power in Texas still. Oh, the sure. last Bush that's still on the rise is George P. Bush. He's in this obscure office from back in the cattle and land days that has enormous slush funds for disasters. It's a very powerful office. And he's sitting in there living large. And then you got some rhinos in there, too. So the Bush family and the oil petro complot, uh, the whole conspiracy, the whole the whole club of the big oil men is very, very strong in the Republican Party in Texas. The Bushes are are deep, deep in it. Well, and you know what's what's really crazy, Sam? I've been looking a lot into mind control. I've been doing like episode after episode about mind control. I got this great book about uh, it's called it's by Jim Keith. It's called Mind Control, World Control, and this foundation that essentially funded MK Ultra, which is like you know it's synonymous with mind control. It's what the basic like you know introductory conspiracy theorist may get into mind mind control, and they're going to look at at Project MK Ultra ran by the CIA. But it goes so much deeper than that. This John, uh, I'm sorry, Josiah Macy Jr. Foundation started the he, they were really the single most funding uh, entity of MK Ultra. They were funneling money to the CIA in order to start these programs. But the Josiah Macy Foundation was also behind the psychedelic revolution of the 60s, um, that whole uh, free love movement as well. Um, and, and a those- lot of it goes back. A lot of it goes back to Soviet Russia, the guy that founded the Method School of Acting, which has cranked out great actors that are freaky in the bedroom, maybe with people that are underage. And the original trainers that trained gymnasts, which all came, turned out to be MK Ultra, a sex trauma based mind control. And we're talking about 
you know, my senator did this, unveiled it all, got those victims more than a million dollars each, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm going to ask you to uh, let's do that in another show if you want sure. to, because we can we can really go deep into that because it's something that I've studied very deeply. As yeah, it's pastor. fascinating. But let's keep that for another day. Sure. You were talking about my studies, and I know that I make some assertions that uh, appear, you said hyperbolic. I think that's a really good word. Right. We've cried buckets. That's hyperbole. But I've started writing because of that, because I know that we make assertions that the average viewer is not ready for. Yeah, yeah. That that they're not ready to uh, rip through the the curtain of their normalcy bias. And so I've started writing in a different way where I will have 20, 30 sources for an article that is a five-minute read. So the article is a five-minute read. It talks about these developments in the Pacific. It talks about political developments or this or that. And then underneath of it, and one of the landmark ones that really got, this is the beginning of Dave Hodges and my friendship, was about the Bush family destabilizing the border in cahoots with, that's a Texas word, in cahoots. Bill Clinton. Criminal governors. Okay. Just like Bill Clinton. And yes, the Bush Clintons, they're two sides of the same coin. But there are criminal governors in Mexico that were taking Bush money to destabilize the border and traffic in weapons, humans, fast and furious, and vast amounts of drug trafficking. And that that article had so many sources in English and Spanish that Dave Hodges, he, he grabbed the whole thing and he started farming it out to his contacts in the government. You know, all the secret squirrel people that, re- that report to him. And they called Dave back and said, Dave, how did you put this together? And Dave said, well, there's this guy, Sam, that lives in Mexico. <laughs> because, they, because they saw uh, it was irrefutable. So here's an article. That one was probably a 15-minute read. But you could literally spend all day and all night going down every rabbit trail. Okay, let's talk about this politician, this murder. Yep. Because although I just mentioned it, you know, this person was in with this and this suspicious thing happened. And then there's whole other articles and it's a lot of them in Spanish uh, to support that. And so that's how Dave and I actually became friends. And I, I have a lot of fun with Dave. You know, he's a black belt, too. Yeah. And so we 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 just we have a lot of fun. I feel like we have a really good chemistry. And he's one of the people that if he if he believes that something is uh the truth, it doesn't matter whose feelings it hurts, he will report it. So as far as these uh, developments in the Pacific, I've come in and made an assertion. Okay, there's three main military forces heading at China in from three different directions. This is going back maybe 10 weeks. And the Chinese have threatened that they see that coming and that they might just strike first. They reserve that right and be prepared for a blow at any time. Yeah, I like that song. I don't even know what it was, honestly. That's somebody's ringtone here close by. <laughs> no, I can shut down. It is it is very very interesting. And I love Dave by the way. Dave Hodges, it, it, you know, his show is um it's not like one of those flashy type shows, but it is I mean just incredible information. 
that you really get from him. You know, he has Steve Quayle on pretty often, obviously yourself, um, that John Wayne guy that he has on as well. Uh, I mean, just really, really great reoccurring sort of like guest hosts. Um, and I'm sort of trying to emulate that sort of style of show. Um, and then I, I hope that you also realize too, Sam, that I, you know, when I'm, when I'm saying that maybe what you are saying may seem hyperbolic to people, that is not in any way to say that it's not true. It just, when you, when you aren't sort of tapped into all of this crazy stuff. Um, and, and it's hard. It's hard. We're, yeah, we, it's we hard. Like, I like being able to drive through and get in a hamburger at any hour of the night. Sure. And that's gone for me. It's not part of my life anymore. It's one of the things that I knew I would miss. You yeah. know, Village Inn's not there. You, you go in and get a stack of pancakes and bacon and eggs. I mean, for the last 20 years, it's been Arabs cooking it, but <laughs> at yeah, least we, we still had that. And, and now that's gone for me, man. It's gone for me. And and I'm sure. just inviting the audience uh, when I make, when I make uh, an an assertion that may appear absurd, please come in and dig a little deeper. A lot of times I'll tweet something. And so that's just the assertion, but then, okay, where's the article? What's underlying? Just click that link. And it's like, Oh my God. Okay. I see how this could be put together. You know who announced that the nuclear Tomahawk was coming back? The assistant secretary of defense under Trump in 2018. Now Trump said, our nuclear was falling apart. It was deteriorating. Now our nuclear arsenal, it's all been rebuilt. It's all totally brand new. Interesting. So he's, he spoke in those kind of generalities. But the deputy secretary of defense. So this is somebody that, who, who's that today? I don't know. It's, it's somebody that we don't ever hear about. But he gave one speech, one time, on the nuclear tomahawk. And he said, yes, this weapon system was decommissioned and this year by this person, by the way, it's linked on my uh, second to newest article up there, just about the nuclear tomahawk, who said it, when he said it, where it was reported. And he said, we need to, we will return this capability to the fleet. It violates no treaty. It gives us a range of options. It is a powerful deterrent. It will return to the fleet. So this was a very carefully prepared statement, and one guy said it one time, and then nothing, nothing. Interesting. And I, but I'll tell you who believed it, the Russians. Now, they know a little more than you and me because they got their secret, secret squirrel stuff going on. They've got their intelligence apparatus, eavesdropping, satellite, physical spies. they're on another yeah they're on another level when it comes to that stuff and then just uh since you you mentioned it the the current deputy secretary of defense is kathleen h hicks never Um, heard of him is that a woman or a man (laughs) uh, from the picture it looks like a female but you don't know what she identifies with sam so we can't be rude right i mean i don't know we'll have to ask her for a protest (laughs) no i mean and, and it's crazy and like there's a problem when you have I mean, since I've been alive, there has been the, like I said, hyperbolic talk about a World War Three, or a, again, a, a World War Four, whatever you want to say. But it really does seem to be around the corner, right? I mean, and I'm not even just saying this because you are here. I have actually been concerned about this. My friends talk about this stuff um, that aren't even necessarily the most conspiratorial type people. Um, 
but it's a very real threat because it's like, what else is there for these elites to really put us through? They've already got this whole COVID tyranny thing. And I don't know how you feel about the whole COVID stuff, but I have an idea of how you feel about it. Um, it's just a very weird situation. And I think that they've gotten this, uh, us in this position. Um, I'm expecting a false flag any day, you know, like a 9-11 type, type event uh, or more than that, you know. Um, you've got Af- the Afghan uh, army, the, which is the Taliban at this point. They're, my concern is not that they have all of that artillery and all of the vehicles. It's that they're going to send it to China and Russia, and they're going to be able to reverse engineer that stuff. They're not going right. to fly those Black Hawk helicopters over here and start messing with us. The, the Taliban's not, that is. They're going to give it to their strong assets, uh, again, like China and, and uh, Russia, and just reverse engineer them. And I heard something on a great podcast. Uh, it's called Drinking Bros. And it sounds kind of like a goofy podcast, but very, very intelligent dudes that, that run that show. And they were talking about and the idea of the Cold War just, just ending uh, on, at the end of this month. Um, how would you go about, if you were like the Russian elite or the China elite or whatever, how would you go about trying to take over the United States? Well, you would find someone that's a pretty safe and pretty well-established uh, Washington, D.C. political figure, right? Joe Biden I mean, this guy is the swamp. This guy has never had a real job in his life. He is a swamp creature. He is a a career politician. You find someone like that and you compromise them. What's the easiest way to compromise them? Finding someone with a weak personality. Let's say a drug addict like his son, Hunter Biden, right? You compromise them with Burisma in Ukraine. And I mean, it's a done deal. You know, who knows what's on that laptop? I know that there's some pedophilia. There's some incest. There's some serious stuff that's going on on that laptop, and we weren't able to see it during the election. Um, I mean, it's crazy, man. They played the long game, and I don't think that anyone can beat Russia and China. I don't know who is our bigger enemy out of Russia and China, to be clear. Um, It's possible that they're working together. They both believe in communism, it seems. Um, But it's just very scary, man. And I, I think that what you're saying, although just six months ago i would have thought was hyperbolic i do think that it's very accurate and i think that it's something that people need to be concerned about right now you bring up so many good points there's no way that i can hit them all but let me hit a few sure first we're gospel gunslingers we believe that we have a chance to fight and we have a right to govern ourselves and to defend ourselves now that's a dying that is a dying belief and there's whole theologies about this by the way i I preach every day Bible verse of the day for gospel gunslingers. So if you're tired of sissy preaching and you want to hear about the wars of the Bible and what Jesus really taught and about what our forefathers believed to build this great nation, just jump in any day. And, and I, I, I'm probably 200 lessons now. The first hundred are on BitChute and YouTube. And then I'm probably another hundred lessons in. And there's just three minute teachings every day. The latest ones are on Telegram. Just search gospel gunslingers and it'll come right up. So I believe that we have a chance to fight. And sometimes when when we get start down the rabbit hole that there are international bankers, that there are these tyrants, that they're into all kinds of weird stuff, that there are Manchurian candidates, 
when mm-hmm. we get into that, it's 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 easy to lose sight of the fact that we built this nation to govern ourselves. We have a right to abolish any government that's destructive of the ends of our benefit of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Prote- you know, our our own advancement as individuals and our our ability to uh, store up wealth and to build. And if that's taken from us, then we have we have the the duty to uh, throw off the reins of any such government. And the, the, all those rich and powerful people of the world, all those uh, uh, Smithers in the Simpsons, right? Smithers is up there plotting, but he's this geezerly old, physically weak uh, old man that can't walk without farting. And that's the reality. <laughs> and the backbone of the city is strong, vibrant people that come from a wide variety of backgrounds, but and they have things that they, their own little idiosyncrasies, but they're all trying to work things out and, and build their city and their nation. So at the top, these, these weirdos, they are, they are, they're weak. And this is what the book of Daniel actually says that this kingdom, this, this fourth and terrible beast that Daniel saw that had brazen hoofs, it, he also saw it as an image that had feet of clay and those feet of clay, the angel came in and said, the kingdom will be partly strong and partly brittle, partly weak. And when those feet of clay are struck, then the whole thing just disintegrates into powder and is blown away. And, and what a message for the gospel gunslinger of today. What a message for the person that realizes, OK, I'm being snuck up on. I'm being oppressed. They're coming to get me and to deliver a death blow. Well, what the Bible says is in the end, the death blow is delivered to them and all their governments are destroyed. And when they go away, Revelation says the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our God and he shall reign forever and ever. Now, let me just go to Trump. This is another point that you hit about where are we? What's the real intention? I've been watching Trump's speeches since he came out of obscurity and began to speak again. And let me just throw three quick quotes out that he said. Yeah. One is that the Chinese, he said, I believe the Chinese owe the world $10 trillion for spreading this pandemic. And he said, and they have to pay. And then he repeated himself. You know, when we were in school, this was the signal that it is a test question, that you are responsible for this information. He repeated himself and shook his head and said, they have to pay. Yeah. And and then in the same speech, I think this was in Alabama, where, by the way, a lot of our maritime our shipyards for ship production and warship maintenance and docking facilities and the new Space Force is in Alabama. He said, we have to fight. And he was talking about here again, the COVID, the bioweapon attack on the world. And he said, we have to fight. And then he repeated himself. We have to fight. I hear you. I mean, I hear you, man. I, I'm just, um, I'm, like I said, I am a little more out there with my theories, but I, I do do my research. Um, are you familiar with the... Uh, the George Soros uh, debt that Donald Trump had that was forgiven of $312 million. 
I've looked a little bit into Jared's connections with Soros. Yeah, he's definitely got a, a serious connection, Kushner. And then, you know, um, uh, Ivanka is a Kabbalist. She wears that red ribbon on her wrist. Um, but it's very, very interesting when you look into the a, Trump. A, a Kabbalist Jewish mysticism. Yeah, yeah. She's, uh, I mean, she converted to, to Judaism for Kushner, right? Um, which, yeah. you know, I, I'm, I'm all for it. If you want to do whatever kind of religion, go for it. But uh, Kabbalah is a little different. And um, I mean, you know, there's these theories where I think that actually I heard this from from uh, from Dave Hodges there, how, you know, there's like twenty five hundred elite Kabbalists, um, if that's how you pronounce it correctly. And you've got, uh, you know, with the Georgia Guidestones talking about five hundred million people, uh, this gives them like 50,000 slaves each or something like that. Um, I'll tell you something that nobody knows about Jared Kushner so that you can. You can study this and have some fun with it. Jared Kushner carries basically a knighthood in the nation of Mexico. He was issued an award by the outgoing president on the last day of his presidency. This is the EPN, Enrique Peña Nieto, who took $100 million to let Chapo Guzman freely run his drug empire in Mexico. So on the last day of his presidency, he gave this award called the order of the aztec eagle and it's a it's a very powerful award any of you out there that are mexican citizens i'd like to have one so you can feel free to write the president of mexico (laughs) ask ask him to make uh pastor sam a knight in the order all right you freeloading sons of bitches you know what to do if you're not already doing it Head over to patreon.com slash dangerous world. You're hear more of my conversation with Sam Honnold, Pastor Sam, gospel gunslinger. Talk about more of that Jared Kushner weird deal in Mexico and uh, a lot of other stuff, man. This guy is very knowledgeable. So come over there and check that out, guys.